Welcome to Parallel Church. We're so excited that you're joining us today, and we uh, we uh, stay around here for love and impact. And what we simply are doing is we believe in Jesus. We follow Jesus. Jesus is the reason we gather. And and Jesus made this command. He said, "Love one another as I have loved you." That's what he told his followers to do. That's still the mandate for us: is love one another as I have loved you. That. And I mean, loving one another is easy to say, but loving as Jesus loved, that's a whole nother level. And so we're on a journey as, as a church gathering together to pursue that. And we want to—we don't want to just say we love, but we want to make an impact in each of our communities and, and where, wherever we are, we whatever community we're in, whether it be in Tabor and Claire's home and Okotoks and, and Lloyd Minster or, or Lethbridge, wherever a parallel church is, we're going to say we want to make a mark and impact on that community that the community is not going is is going to say if we were to disappear they would miss us because we made an impact amen Welcome to all of you that are joining us online. Welcome Gloria and Robin and, and Jen and Annabelle and Anthony and Russ and Kim and Greg and Phyllis and Deborah and Ram and Mark and Heather and Tess and Larry and uh, what have we got? Sharon and Pastor Phil and Tariah. Welcome to all of you, wherever you guys are watching around the world. Just the names that I listed, I know that there's like four countries listed right there. Just the cool give them a big hand welcome Lethbridge you guys can have a seat amen welcome to the conclusion of our series Minecraft and if you're just joining us you're at the end of the movie and uh, and I'll do my best to catch you up a little bit but we're talking about mental health and we're, we're talking uh, in this season starting 2022 talking about how not just how to recover but how to make 2022 our best year yet and an approach on our you looking at our, our mental health our heart health and the Bible talks about it often and I'd encourage you if this has been helpful for you or if you've missed some of these I'd encourage you to go back uh, listen to some of these or watch some of these messages. If you haven't got the book yet, Minecraft, I'd encourage you to get that. This is not just, you know, as we move on to another series next week, which I'm really, really excited about. As we move on to the next series, don't just say, okay, well, it's all good now. This is something that we want you to do a deep dive and, and a continual Bible study. Because how many know we can talk about mental health on Sunday and then Monday comes. Tuesday and Wednesday and life just happens right there's lots of things that come that can upset you know our apple carts and we get we get to the place where something's just different and change and tensions and all that kind of stuff and it's easy to get sidetracked with circumstances all around us but we need to learn that God gave us plans and ways he didn't just put us on planet earth and saying okay you know figure it out on your yourself he gave us an instruction manual that is, is compiled in, in the Bible. He gave us an instruction manual of how to live our best lives here. And so that's why we're doing a deep dive into some of these, these topics and looking at, at mental health. And today, I wanna start with, with some questions that I, I, if you're a note taker, um, you're gonna love. And if you're not a note taker, I'd highly encourage you to take out your phones or a pen and paper or something. You're gonna wanna write some of these down because these are big questions. These are big things that we wanna deal with today that you're gonna want to not, you're not gonna be able to process all of this and, and the answers to these questions in the next 20 minutes, but you're gonna 
you're going to want to think on these, meditate on these, and, and work these out. So the questions that I want you to ask yourself is this. What am I passionate about? Because ask yourself this question. What am I passionate about? When I say passionate, I'm not just, just talking about what makes me excited. I'm talking about what makes you angry. Right? What, what gets you emotional? What, what are you passionate? And there's things that makes everybody angry. But I'm talking about there's certain things that irritate you beyond what is normal for other people to be irritated by. And that's typically an indication of, okay, there's a passion there for some reason. Right? That, that is, that is, well, how come nobody else is as passionate about that as me? Well, maybe that's because there might be a key there for understanding who you are. So what are, what are my passion about? What are my values? These are the core beliefs, the core values, the, un, the, the values that you are non-negotiable for you. There's certain values each one of us have that just are non-negotiable for you. They're not what, non-negotiable for everybody else, but they're non-negotiable for you. What are my values? Here's another one. What is my role in society or purpose in life? Like I said, you're not gonna answer these questions in the next 20 minutes. But these are things that I want you to meditate on and think on and, and, and find out. Like, what is my role in society or purpose in life? Here's what I know. The Bible says this in Psalm 139, that you were fearfully and wonderfully made, that before you were formed in your mother's womb, God had a purpose and a plan for you. And I believe this, that you're not made, you're not made by accident. You're not here by accident. You're not, you're not in this time of, of history by accident, that God had, had this plan all, and this is our God, he had a plan for, for all the universe, and he knew, put your name in there, he knew you by name, and he knew that your purpose and your call and what he destined you for was made for this time and in this place for such a time as this. There's no accidents, right? So you have a role in society you have a purpose in life to fulfill. That you're not just here to occupy space and to, to you know, take up oxygen. You're not, that's not, you're not here for that. You're here on purpose for a purpose for such a time as this. And if you don't believe that, there's, there's a key here. You're going to want to get to understanding that and believing that. That you have a role in society or a purpose in life. And really the question that we're asking is, who am I? And the reason why I want you to answer these questions is because if you are having a difficult time answering any of these questions, and, and let me just be honest, I don't think anybody here is having an easy time. So that just includes all of us, okay? If you're having a difficult time answering these questions or find yourself preoccupied with these questions lately, according to experts, okay, university studies, psychologist, you may be experiencing an identity crisis. Here's what a university study revealed. It says this, negative self-views have proved to be a consistent marker of vulnerability for depression. So when we're talking about mental health and the fact that one in four Canadians today are, are battling with, with depressions, anxieties, PTSD, these kind of mental health issues, Negative self-views, this is what the studies say, negative self-views have proven to be a consistent marker of vulnerability for depression. In other words, if you don't know how to confidently answer who am I, if, if you don't know how to confidently answer that, you are susceptible or vulnerable 
for depressions. Ford universities in, in Europe con, uh, conducted a study on the correlation between self-identity and depression. And this is their conclusion. This is what they said. They said, in today's rapidly changing world, identity crises may be more common. Such crises often occur in response to sudden change in a person's life. This may include personal life changes or broader societal events such as COVID-19 pandemic. This is recent, right? This is, this is what they're saying. So they're saying, in other words, this identity crisis, this, these, these battles with depressions, anxieties, and all the rest of it, that all of these societal changes, and, and I don't doubt, is that when we have a societal event like COVID-19 and the pandemic and all the rest of it, and, and I mean, I think we're feeling like we're, breathing a little bit clearer. Anybody else? Like, we, we, there's hope on the horizon. We see the end now. Oh, thank God. But listen, 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 listen. Just because it feels better and that we're at the end and there's a little bit of hope, the main thing, the anchor for your mental health, your emotional health and all the rest of it is many of us, because of societal upsets and all the rest of it, have lost or, or have been, become more vulnerable to depression and anxiety because mainly throughout this whole society thing, our self-identity has been, been hit. Some of you in our church, there's many in our church who have lost jobs because they made a choice. And with that, many in the healthcare sector in particular felt like that was not just a job, that was a calling. And then all of a sudden when you're being told you can't do it anymore, what it does is, is anger comes up, all the rest of it comes up. But the main thing that comes up is this identity crisis. Well, who am I now? I thought I was, but who am I now? And we get into societal changes and all these things go on and we're going, we don't realize how much identity we put into what we do or how much identity we put into routine. And when that routine is upset or that, that what we do is upset or something changes in there, we go into, we spin into the confusion of who we are. And now we become very vulnerable for depressions, anxiety, PTSDs, all the rest of it. So answering the question, who am I, is huge. It's huge. So let's talk about identity. Because, surprise, 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 the Bible talks about this a lot. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 11. Paul is writing to the, the early church, the church in Corinth, and, and he says this, he says, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Interesting, Paul says, your minds may somehow be led astray. He's not saying your hearts, but he's saying your minds. There's, 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 an emotion, there's something happening emotionally 
you know, mentally, there's something going on. He says, will be, your minds will be led astray. And it's interesting to me that Paul is writing this and he's going, okay, he's talking about mental health. He's talking about minds being led astray. He's talking about, you know, strength. And, and he's trying to find an analogy of saying, okay, is there an analogy of, of how this happens and how these minds get led astray? There, what, what analogy could he use? And the analogy that he uses, is, it's kind of like, it's like Eve. He goes back to the very first temptation. <laughs> he goes back to the very, very, very beginning. And he says it's kind of like how Eve got led astray by the serpent. In other words, and he's looking at grasping throughout all of history as to what is an example of minds being led astray. He goes all the way back to the very beginning and likens it to Eve's deception, which I was like, okay. This is an analogy now. What was in Eve's deception that is an example of how our minds can get led astray? So let's look at it. Genesis chapter 3. This is talking about the devil tempting Adam and Eve. And I say Adam and Eve because unlike your Sunday school theology or my Sunday school theology, the Bible says that Adam was there with Eve, by the way. Just saying. She gets a bad rap. He was there too. Just, just <laughs> making that clear. So now look at this. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Okay, so this is, this is Satan tempting Eve. And look how he starts. He starts with, did God really say? In other words, just asking that question, he's causing Eve to second guess what she heard from God. Right? Which, let's back up a little bit in our entire series. What have I been emphasizing over and over and over and over and over again? When you pray, say. Right? Our Father art in heaven, reveal yourself to me. Faith is, is putting, and an, you know, Trust, unshakable trust in someone. I've been talking about that a lot of our, our mental health, a lot of our, is, is making sure that we can trust without a shadow of a doubt in God, that we have to have something. That's what I'm saying, is we have to have something that is a sure foundation, that when everything else is shaking, we have something that is solid that we can stand on. And what I'm saying is if when everything else shakes around you and your emotions get all crazy and you're looking for something, I'm, I'm trying to say in this entire series is that your anchor, your foundation is God. And that in the whole time of this is to say, we as Christians have an unfair advantage because we have an unshakable foundation and the first thing the devil tries to do is undermine that foundation by starting with Eve, did God really say, causing her to second guess. Because if she can second guess, and this is what the devil knows, if she can second guess her trust and her security in what God really said, then now he has a, he has a vulnerable little part where he can work himself in. So even in this series, let's just be honest, even in this series, we're in our prayer time and maybe in, in, in this series, we're going through these scriptures and then you get to Monday, then you get to Tuesday and all of a sudden the rest of it goes, going, is that, did the Bible really say? Did, did God really say? Did, is that really what he says? Is this really the truth? 
Anybody want to be brave enough to say you've had that question every once in a while? I was like, did God, did God really say that? Did he, did he really mean that? Is it really true? She says, this is her reply. The woman said to the serpent, he starts with, did God really say? She says, may, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from, that, from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. So in other words, she quotes God verbatim. But there's a difference, listen to me, there's a difference between understanding with your head and having revelation in your heart. And you can quote chapter and verse and know it with your head. And you can sit here on a Sunday and hear it and understand it with your head. But if it doesn't get deposited in your heart, then when the devil comes at you, did God really say, you can quote it back, but it's not going to stick. That's why Solomon said, above all else, guard or pay attention to your heart because it's what happens in your heart if Jesus said have faith in your heart and do not doubt it's about getting from the head to the heart just remember that we're gonna come back to that because I'll teach you how to do that then this is what the devil's reply is to that he he hears it and then he says you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So again, his, his attempt is to get Eve to second guess God. Now he, he's saying, did God really say? Question what he said. Now he's getting Eve to question God's motives. Well, God didn't mean. Yeah, he might have said that, but did he mean it? Getting Eve to second guess God's motives. Diminishing, now watch, diminishing Eve's trust in God. And then, so this is, this is the devil's ploy. This is what I want you to see. Because Paul, when saying your minds will get led astray, Paul says kind of like Eve. And we see how Eve's mind's getting led astray is that first of all, the devil gets you to question God and get your, your trust in God to be shakable. Then the next thing he says, he says, and you will be like God. In other words, he's starting to go after her self-identity because what's amazing is he says, you'll be like God and your eyes will be opened. The truth is, is that she already was like God. And he's saying to her, and you will be like God. What do I mean by, how, what do you mean by she's already like God? Well, two chapters earlier when God made, you know, Adam and Eve, it says this in, in Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image uh, of God, he created them, male and female. That includes her. He created them in the image of God, in the image of God, in the image of God. So when God created uh, Adam and Eve, they were already made like God. And then the devil comes and he says, hey, if you eat of this, you're going to become like God. To which Eve should have said, sorry, but I already am. But she didn't. And here's, here's what I want you to see. 
and understand is that the devil has two main strategies and those strategies, this is why Paul used the earliest temptation, is those two strategies are exactly the same. When the devil wants to get your mind to be led astray from your faith and your anchor in God, the two things he's going to do, he's going to diminish your trust and get you to begin questioning your God. Did he say? Did he mean? And if you can get, if he can get you to diminish your trust in God, he's got a foothold. And then he's secondly, he's going to get you to diminish your trust in yourself and yourself and, and really attack your self-identity. Because if he can get you to second-guess God and he can get you to second-guess yourself, you're easy prey. Let me show you another example. This, the devil's tricks haven't changed. About 4,000 years later, the devil tempts Jesus. Matthew chapter 4. Look at this. It says, when Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil... And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I always laugh at that line because I was like, it took 40 days and 40 nights. And then he became hungry. I was like, don't think that was right. I don't know about you all, but it's the first three days. Then I'm hungry. Like, that's the hardest. You can make it through the first three. The rest, anyway, just numb. It's good. Um, the tempter came to him and said, watch. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Do you see it? What did the devil do? If you are the son of God? Like kind of, if? What's he doing? He's, in one word, if, he's getting Jesus to begin to question himself, his own identity, and begin to question his father who sent him on a mission. If you are the son of God? Look at, if the devil can do this to Jesus and try to do this, he's going to try to do it to you too. It's his game. It's what he does. Our identity has to come from more than what we feel. Oh, come on. Did you get that? Our identity has to come from more than what we feel. And it has to come from more than what we do. Our identity has to come from who God says we are. That's the foundation because if it comes by what you feel, that's gonna be shaken. If it comes by what you do, eventually you won't be doing that anymore. Then what? If it comes from, there's lots of things that you can put your identity in. You can put your identity in what others say you are and then they're gonna change their tone. You can put your identity in, 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 in a whole bunch of different things and those will all be shaken, but there's one thing, the foundation that you need to stand on is you need to stand in who God says you are. Because Jesus did, look at this. This is what Jesus said. I love this reply. Jesus answered him and said, it is written, do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. In other words, hey, devil, I'm not only the son of God, I am God. And I'm your God. And how dare you test me? What did the devil do? He ran away. He left Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Right after that, Jesus left from here and went and, did, and began his ministry. He, he, come on. You got to see this. 
is you got to see who you were created to be. And not just who you think you are or who others say you are or how you feel today or not feel today. Your identity has to be anchored in who God says you are. And Jesus left it from this moment. He says, no, this is, this is who I am. And Jesus left from this moment. And Jesus did something throughout his ministry in the three years that he did it that I think we, we underestimate or we, we read wrong or interpret wrong. And I, Jesus did something. Jesus had seven I am statements throughout three years. He had I, seven I am statements. And this is what Jesus says. Some here are some of them. Actually, I'll give you all of them. It says that he said, I am the bread of life in John 6, 35. He says, I am the light of the world in John 8, 12. He said, I am the door in John 10, 9. He says, I am the good shepherd in John 10, 11 and verse 14. He says, I am the resurrection and the life in John eleven twenty five. 25, which ironically, John 11 is where Lazarus was raised from the dead. What did Jesus do right before he raised Lazarus from the dead? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he raised Lazarus from the dead. I am the way, that's, did you get that? He said it before he did it. He wasn't basing who he was on what he just did. He, did he's, he based what he did on who he was. Come on. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14. I am the vine in John 15. Come on. This is a clue. If Jesus, look at, if Jesus, God, if Jesus had to do this for himself, sometimes, I think, you know, especially in John 11, sometimes I read it where Jesus was saying these things to tell other people who he was. But I'm wondering if he was doing it for twofold reasons. I'm wondering if he was saying it so other people knew who he was. But I'm wondering if he was saying it to confess who he was. And, to, and, and when he saw his friend die and he wept and all the rest of it, I'm wondering if he wasn't just saying, no, wait a second. I am the resurrection and the life. Lazarus live. This is a clue for us too, that we need to use the word of God to make declarations about ourselves in order to anchor ourselves in our true identity. This, you, got, you got to know the word. Because look at some of the things that the Bible says about you. This is some, just some of the identity, and there's so much. Here's some identity stuff. This is in 2 Corinthians 5, this is, it says this that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That's Christianese for, if you feel like you're not good enough for God, you can say, I'm the righteousness or right standing. I am the righteousness of God because of Jesus. Is that, I'm, not, I'm not trying to earn my righteousness. I'm not trying to earn God's acceptance. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible says I can say that I can say that. Anybody ever feel like, man, I'm nothing, I'm, I can't do it, I'm a sinner, I'm, God, I'm not good enough, I can't go talk to God, I can't pray. All of us have done it. And when you have that, what do you do? You start saying, no, no, no. Bible says I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. It's Ephesians 1. I'm blessed with, what does that mean? That means that I can't walk around and going, well, they got blessed and they, they got some and I got nothing. I'm, I don't get much. I don't, I'm just, I don't, they, maybe they got, I don't know. No, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing, not just some, every. I'm the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. So when you feel like you're the grasshopper or you're the less than or you feel like, man, you're, you're just a nobody, you can say, no, no, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. Or you can say, I'm surrounded by a shield of favor, Psalm 512. Or 
I increase daily in favor with God and man in Luke 2.52. Or how about this one in Philippians 4? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, when you feel like I can't and I won't and that's not going to work, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My identity is not in what I think I can or feel I can. My identity is in what the Bible says I can. And if the Bible says I can do all, that's a big word, by the way, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When you feel like I'm just an accident or I'm nothing then, I'm not. No, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's Psalm 139. By the way, David standing in front of, I don't know, maybe a mirror or something, but he's just starting to proclaim over himself, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That's Bible talk for God. When you made me, you done good. Come on. How many of you said that lately? Romans 8, verse 37, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not less than. I'm not, I can't. I'm more than a conqueror. These are things that the Bible, this is just a few of the things that the Bible says, that God says about you. So what I want you to do now is this. I want you to think on four, three or four I am statements about yourself. Maybe there's some in the scriptures that I read up there that, you know, mean something to you. If you can't find any, I would highly encourage you, if you're battling with self-identity, I highly encourage you to read the first four chapters of the book of Ephesians this week. Make it your study and circle in there, in Christ I am or in Christ I have, and then begin to make those into I am statements and find ones that really resonate with you that are basically a counterpunch to what the devil is coming at you. Your greatest insecurity is how the devil's getting to your mental health. He's coming and he's, he's poking at that, that insecurity, whatever it might be. We all have insecurities, but if he pokes at it and you meditate on it and you, get, and you start feeling less than, you can remember, hey, wait a second, that's not who I am. That might be what I feel, but that's not who I am. Who I am is who God made me to be. And the Bible tells me who I am. And I can say it. I mean, so come up with whatever that your insecurity, your insecurity, whatever that might be, that constant voice in your head that tells you you can't or you're not, whatever it might be, counterpunch that one with a scripture that, that is opposite. And watch what happens. Watch what happens. Because there's power in the tongue. You don't just think it, you say it. You speak it. There's power in the tongue. And remember I told you how to get the, 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 the mind, what you're hearing, the mind to get deposited into the heart? By the way, there's an elevator from your mind to your heart. And that elevator has to go through your tongue. And what you do is you begin to proclaim. You begin to speak. You begin to speak what is the truth. Not what you think or what you feel, but you begin to speak what is the truth. And it will get, begin to be deposited in your heart. The first time you say the I am statement, you're not going to believe it. You're going to go, yeah, I don't know, I know, I'm, I'm, this, I'm this. But if you say it and you continue to say it and continue to say it, continue to say it, eventually your heart begins to believe it. And when you believe it in your heart, all of a sudden you'll act it. And when you act it, then all of a sudden all your circumstances around change from the inside out, change your identity, everything changes around you. A number of years ago, I, I did this and I just began to say and counterpunch my insecurities and said it, had, had a scripture. 
And I just said, I am statements, and I just said it, and I said it, and it was probably a couple of years of just saying it and saying it and saying it, and it was all of a sudden a friend just out of the blue goes, you know who you are, Kelly? You are, and he said, and it's, it's a weird King James um, Bible phrase that is not common in today's language. And he says, you are, and he just spouts it out. And I was just like, uh-huh. You know what happened? is that I said it enough to where God deposited my heart, and when I began to believe it, I began behaving around that, and all of a sudden the circumstances began to change. You see this? We don't allow the circumstances to change us. We change the circumstances. And one powerful way to do that is, is by what you speak over yourself. And what you speak over yourself should be the word of God and who God says you are. So today's takeaway is simply this. Talk to yourself instead of listen to yourself. Sometimes we just listen to our feelings and to ourselves, and I'm just an I can't, and I'm just a... Stop listening to yourself, just talk to yourself. And when you start hearing the temptation of, did God really say, and are you really that, and you can't, how, who, th- who do you think you are? Anybody get that one? Who do you think you are that you could do that? I'll tell you what, I'm a son of the King of Kings. I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ. That's who I am. What do you mean, who do you think you are? Nobody ever got that one? (laughs) You just counterpunch it with the I am statements. And counterpunch your insecurities by being specific. You have to say it. You have to say it. Again, in, in the book, I'd kind of walk through and how to do that and the I am statements. I don't have time to go through all the stuff, but man, get this stuff, write it down, write down your I am statement, say it daily, post it on your mirror, put it somewhere where, I don't know, on your desk or somewhere where insecurity hits you or whatever it might be, somewhere where you're gonna be on your phone, pull it up and be able to just say, no, no, this is who I am. This is who God made me to be. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. And God, I thank you that you didn't just put us on this planet and tell us good luck and trying to figure it all out. You, you gave us an instruction manual of how to live our best lives. And God, I thank you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are made in your image, that God, you created us not just to be less than, but you created us on purpose for a purpose for such a time as this. And Lord, I pray over each one now, Holy Spirit, bring to mind the scripture that they need to be get that insecurity that they need to counterpunch and the scripture they need to counterpunch it with in Jesus' name. I pray these things now over each one and make 2022 our best year yet in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead, you will be saved. And so I want to run through with you right now a prayer that does exactly that. It's not joining a religion. It's not joining a church. It's simply just a relationship with God. So if you would like, you can close your eyes, bow your head, and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God, and I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you now to become my Lord, to become my Savior, to become my friend. I thank you that my past is past and that I can begin anew with you today. My heart is yours. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen, amen. So guys, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we have a link that's just been posted in the chat. Click on that link, fill out that form. We'd love to send you a Bible. Um, we'd love to just participate and be a part of your amazing journey uh, starting today. So, uh, And also congratulations as well.